Speaking and listening, by far the two most important skills when learning English. Unfortunately, many English learners don't speak enough, and as a result, they don't feel fluent when they speak. On top of this, many English learners don't practice listening the correct way, or they always listen in the same way, and as a result, their listening skills don't improve either. Well, not to worry. I wrote two course books on how to improve your speaking skills and your listening skills. If you feel your speaking and listening skills aren't improving, download these two course books for free on my website adbroughton.com and get awesome speaking and listening skills. Hi everybody, Adam David Broughton here and welcome to another episode of the Broughton English Show where I talk to the best teachers, learners and motivators of the English learning world to share with you, my listeners, the best tips, tricks and techniques to give you the skills you need to master English on your own. My feature guest today, all the way from Washington DC, USA, Jennifer from nextstepenglish.com. Jennifer, welcome to the show. Hi Adam, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. How are you doing over there in DC? Good. We're having our first day of sunshine in about two weeks, so it feels really nice, actually. I'm very happy today. Oh, wow. Well, we're having the first, um, first day of rain after two weeks of sunshine, so uh, you've probably given it to us. <laughs> well, I don't mind. Have fun with it. Yeah, thanks a lot. <laughs> so, Jennifer, <laughs> tell us a bit about yourself. Um, so, I'm from Virginia in the United States. Uh, I grew up about an hour outside of D.C. Now I live about five minutes outside the city. Um, I teach English through Next Step English to advanced English students from around the world. And when I'm not teaching, my favorite thing to do is curl up on the couch with a cup of tea and watch British television. If it were up to me, that's what I'd be doing probably four or five hours a day. Oh, wow. So tea and British TV. It's very English. <laughs> Yes, no, I um I actually had tried to immigrate to Britain when I was younger, although I got banned for having an intent to settle, but yes, no, I'm I'm fanatical about British television. Oh wow. Have you got a favorite program? Uh probably Blackadder. Um although there's there's a lot. I really like the murder mysteries too. I've just finished watching all the episodes of Midsummer Murders. Also, oh, these are the classics then. These are the classics. <laughs> I guess so. Blackadder is great. If anybody hasn't um, watched any of these, they're from, what, probably 20, 30 years ago? I grew up with Blackadder. It's a very good introduction to, to English humor and satire. It's very, very funny and pretty easy to understand as well. Yeah, no, it's really good, and it's got some great vocab in it. So the English teacher in me, you know, gets a double kick out of it. Of course, of course. Um, so Next Step English, uh, you, you say you mostly focused on on helping advanced learners. Why is that? Why the focus on advanced learners? So I've taught every learner of every level of English, including um, people who didn't even know how to read or write in their own language. And I noticed that most of the classes that I was seeing um, given in my area were for beginners and intermediate students, helping people just get the survival skills they need, especially new immigrants. And that's wonderful. But there are you know, a thousand programs like that around here, at least, um, for those levels. But there are very few that will take someone from being a high intermediate and really help them learn the vocabulary um, that they need if they, if they, on the one hand, enjoy English and, and want to make a hobby of it and, 
you know, and just revel in the, the wonderful vocabulary we have. And also because it's useful in a, in a business context to have more than the survival, you know, email phrases you might need or telephone phrases um, that you might learn in an intermediate class. So I saw that there was something missing in the market. And also I just enjoy it. In advanced classes, I get to know my students really well in a way that I can't you know, get to know them in a beginner's class. So it's nice for right. me. Yeah, you can definitely connect with them um, a lot more when they have a pretty good base in the language and they're able to express themselves and talk about their emotions, their hobbies, and, you know, with more depth. I think it's really interesting what you're saying. I think out there, I mean, there are lots of people, obviously, um, you know, on the internet, online, you know, with on online classes, online courses, um, online lessons, and it, the vast majority is for those very low levels, which I think is great, but... There's not really much, as you said, for, for the people who have got a pretty good level, but they get into that stage where they're starting to get frustrated and they find that they can't really make much progress anymore. So I think we really, I think, you know, myself and yourself, we're very much similar in this kind of area, you know, really helping those intermediate advanced students really master English because there's not a lot out there for those people, I think. So I think it's really good what you're doing. Oh, thanks. Well, and same to you. And... What, what do you think the importance is of vocabulary? So you said a main focus on vocabulary. Well, so I've met a lot of people who want to improve their accent, which is super important. If your accent is too thick, people won't be able to understand you. But there's this hyper-focus on accent. But I've noticed that another thing that can really help you move ahead in English, in, in life and, and in work, is is having an advanced vocabulary. So... If I hear a an English learner uh, use a certain level of vocabulary, I turn off the filter where I'm, I'm speaking to them in a slow and easy way. Right. I start speaking to them in the way that I would speak to any friend. And in the workplace, I used to, I so I worked for seven years at a law firm and I hired administrative staff. And one of the best people I ever hired was from Lithuania. And I was concerned about her level of English until we had our interview. And she was using these words that blew me out of the water. And I said, okay, if she's speaking like this, this is not going to be a problem. Um, so I think, you know, there's, it, it's something that can open doors for you when you're in a, an English speaking environment. Yeah, absolutely. I think when you get to a certain level as well, I think I often say there are, Every English learner has got two levels. Their, let's say, true or academic level of English and then their perceived level of English, which is the level that other people think they have when they listen to them. And I think the, the best and easiest way to really increase your perceived level of English and so make it sound like you have a really good, you know, um, great knowledge of, of English is with advanced vocabulary, these small phrases, small expressions, little adverbs here and there that just sound like you've got a real grasp of the language. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. My goal with Next Step English is for when my students are having conversations with native speakers, I want those native speakers in their head to say, damn, this person really knows English. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the vocabulary resources that you've got on nextstepenglish.com and in your Twitter, in your Twitter, um, in Twitter as well, you're, you're very active in there. I think it's really good, these short phrases, lots of vocabulary, really advanced stuff and really, really useful everyday English that people really should, really should um, start learning more of, I think. So really good. Oh, thanks so much. Um, let me ask you, what's your favorite thing about teaching? 
So obviously there are a lot of things I like. My favorite thing though would be how much I learn from my students. So on the one hand, I'm learning Spanish and I have a lot of students um, who are native Spanish speakers. And so oftentimes when I teach an idiom or a vocab word, they'll shoot me a comment and say, oh, by the way, this is what we say in Spanish. Or right. did you know this the cognate was Spanish? So it's actually really helping me uh, with my Spanish. And also um, when I'm preparing materials, I will look something up, a word that I've known since I was three years old that I would never, ever look up in the dictionary. And as I'm preparing a post, I'll wonder, oh, I wonder what the word origin is or something like that. And I'll go to the dictionary. Um, a recent example of this is I was writing a post and I looked up the word queen. And if you don't know this, you'll probably get a kick out of it. But the word queen comes from a Germanic word meaning a badly behaved woman or girl. Oh, really? Yeah, so that's the type of thing. Why would I ever go to the dictionary for the word queen? This is a super basic word in English. But when I'm teaching, I have occasion to sometimes, and I learn these delightful little facts about my own language, and it's really fun. I think it's really good, and I, I, I do the same. I think it's very fun as well to look at the origin of words. I'm really interested in the origin of words, so how, how words came about. And you know, we've got these two families of languages that make that make up English, so Germanic languages and then Latin languages, and they all mix together to, to create this mutation, which is, um, which is modern English, which I think is fantastic. So when you look at the origin of the word, you discover some really interesting things that you think, wow, and, it, you know, and now we use queen for something completely different. It's very, very, it's very interesting. Right, yeah, it really is. I, um, yeah, that's, <laughs> so like I said, I, I could be very happy spending half the day watching British television, and I could be very happy spending the other day just with the dictionary looking up word origins. It's really cool. It's really good. I mean, having an interest in language, I, th I mean, this is for English learners, anybody that's learning a language, having an interest in the language and actively looking at things just like that, the origin of words, you may not learn any new vocabulary except the word that you're looking for but it will reinforce the meaning of the word and it will you'll just be able to connect much more with the language and when you can connect more with the language and enjoy the language and live the language that's when you're really able to remember vocabulary in the long term which is what really matters yeah exactly and actually i'm a very shy person generally at, at big social events like parties and um you know, I've got kind of a running list in my head of these interesting word origins. And if I can't think of a small talk topic, I'll, I'll go to the old, hey, did you know? Right, that's a good trick. <laughs> I do similar things as well, yeah. So how are you getting on with Spanish? Well, not so well. I'm not following all the advice that I give to my students about, you know, practicing it every day and, and using my Eng uh, my Spanish journal every day and things. But um, but it's good. My so my husband is Latin American. His first language was actually Spanish. Um, so he helps me at home, but he's fully fluent in English. So we, you know, when we're tired after a long day of work, we we don't speak in Spanish because it's easier to speak in English. But it's good. I'm I'm practicing you know, with my mother-in-law more than anything. She's from Ecuador, and uh, <laughs> she's teaching me how to spar in Spanish, which has been uh, a fun skill. Nice. It's always useful. Yeah, not one I'm very good at yet, but it's a good motivator. It takes practice, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, Jennifer, what have you brought to the show? What would you like to share with our listeners? 
so I'd like to talk about vocabulary. Uh, we were talking about how advanced vocabulary can open doors for people. So I want to talk a little bit more about why it's important to learn these advanced expressive words that we have in English. Um, a few ways, you know, a few places where you can find those words and then a few tips for how you can remember them once you've decided to that, hey, this is a word I want to learn. Uh -huh. um, so I guess first, you know, a lot of people want to learn advanced vocabulary, but a lot of people say, well, the purpose of learning a language is to be understood and is to communicate. And I don't need to, to learn all these words to be able to do that. And that's true for some people. If if you have a job that requires English and you want to just be able to do your job and you don't have an interest in going beyond that or an interest in rising in your job, then fine. That's fine. You can learn English for your specific pur purpose. But for everyone else, like we talked about before, it opens doors. Um, it, it gives you that perceived level of English with native speakers where they will give you more opportunities um, in your profession and personally if you have those advanced words. Um, but And also there's a, con a misconception too that, well, you know, learning these advanced words, you know, I'm supposed to do it so I can sound smarter. Um, and that's not it at all. In fact, oftentimes if you learn, if you use words in conversation that you'll only ever see on the TOEFL or the IELTS, you're going to sound like a pompous windbag, you know, yes. <laughs> like a total buffoon. So I'm not talking about learning these, you know, these highly academic or, you know, words, but it, the purpose is to be yourself and to be able to show your whole personality in this new language. Um, and that's going to bring you a lot of just inherent joy aside from the doors it's going to open. I think of it as, you know, if you are learning English and you only learn the practical words you need to fill a prescription or answer the phones or, you know, talk to somebody at the bank, it's like going to Paris and only eating at McDonald's. You know, you might be there for a business conference and your purpose might be to attend the conference. But what kind of an idiot would you be to just sit in your hotel, get in a taxi, go straight to the conference, pick up McDonald's and go home? It would be ridiculous. It'd be a great show. You know? yes. Yeah, it would be. You should go out and have a million cheeses and walk along the Seine and visit the Eiffel Tower and, you know, do whatever Paris, you know, means to you. But but there should be joy in it. And in my opinion, that joy in learning English comes with the incredible vocabulary we have. Um, for example, there are the basic word you might learn in the beginning is to leave somewhere. You know, you come and then you leave. But English has a lot of other words in addition to that um, that are more expressive, more specific versions of leave. And these aren't academic words. These are words that every native speaker knows that hardly any English learners will learn in the classroom. Um, I wrote four of them down to share today. Uh -huh. One of them is bolt. So this is a word that we use for animals and for people. If an animal bolts, it runs away because it's frightened. If a person bolts, they run away, usually because they're trying to escape, for instance, from the police. Right. Um, 
So you can say, oh, the, the robber bolted down the alley. I didn't get a good look at his face. This is a word every native speaker knows. Uh, it's very expressive. You know, it, it almost gives you the idea of like a horse running away because it's heard a loud noise type of thing. But Absolutely, I yeah. don't many English learners use it. This is a word where if I heard an English learner use this, I would say, oh, wow, this person knows English. Absolutely. Um, another one is to abscond with something. So if you abscond with something, you're not just leaving, you're leaving secretly and you're taking something with you, usually money that doesn't belong to you. So you can say the CEO absconded with half of the company's pension fund. Right. Um, and it has, you know, typically a pretty disapproving tone to it. Um, another one with a disapproving tone is you can skulk off. And this is a word I love. This is a word that always makes me laugh. It has such an expressive sound. And it's also leaving secretly, usually because you did something bad or you're planning to do something bad. Right. So you're leaving, you know, hoping that people won't see you because you've got these, these evil intentions or naughty intentions. <laughs> Um, and the last one is also has a kind of humorous tone to it, but is skedaddle. So to leave a place quickly, especially in order to avoid someone. So, hey, Adam, let's skedaddle before Johnny gets back. I don't feel like hearing one, another one of his stories. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, I would encourage your listeners and, any, you know, any English learners out there, to, to learn these words and to, to enrich their vocabularies. Um, it's not only going to open doors, but it's going to bring them a lot of joy in the process. These are words that make people smile. And, you know, it, it would be a shame to learn English and not to really, really explore what English has to offer. Completely. Absolutely agree. I mean, when you're building the house of, you know, your, your language, which you're going to learn, so your repertoire of vocabulary, Let's say that the basic foundations, just like the foundations of a house, um, they're laid out. They're the same for everybody. So everybody needs this, you know, the basic 50, 100 words, verbs, basic nouns to describe things, adjectives, um, and then the basic grammar. You know, with that, you can communicate most ideas, but you, you communicate your message and idea in a very basic way. But then, you, you know, what you build, how, what you build on top of the foundations, that's entirely up to you. And it that vocabulary should very much fit your personality, the way you like to express yourself, um, whether you like to use humor or whether you like to use more academic terms. It doesn't really matter, but we should focus on, on that kind of vocabulary. It's very specific to you. So there's no doubt. I mean, you, you can't avoid expanding your vocabulary and learning advanced vocabulary. It's essential. It's essential if you want to really communicate and feel like you're transmitting your ideas and messages in the way that really reflect the way you like to communicate. Yeah, no, that's so true. And I love what you said about, you know, the words that, that are like you, you know, that, that feel right for your personality. I mean, obviously you encounter thousands and thousands of words and you can't remember them all. But I tell my students that when you're deciding which words you really want to focus on learning, think of, first of all, is this useful for my practical goals in English? And whether the answer is yes or no, you need to ask yourself a second question, which is, does this feel like me? Is this a word that makes me smile? Is this similar to a word I use a lot in my native language? Yes. And if it is, even if it's not practical, learn that word. Yes. I think the most relevant vocabulary and, well, the most relevant language that you can learn is, well, is the, the, 
there are things that you want to say, but you don't know how to say. So when you're, you know, if you're speaking a second language that's not your mother tongue, you're going to be translating from what, you know, have some reference in your head in your own language then translating from that to a certain degree. It's obviously best if you can think in English, but, you know, until you get to a very high level, you're not going to be able to do that. So those things that you want to say, but you don't know how to say, they, those things are the most relevant things that you can learn. And that, that's the time when you need to go out and find that, the equivalent idiom in English or um, the equivalent phrasal verb or whatever. Though, you know, the... The things that you want to say, but you don't know how to say, are the most relevant things you can learn. Absolutely. I love that. And that's another reason to have your English journal with you as much as you can, because yes. those sentences come up all the time in conversation, and we never remember them when we get home. But if you can just kind of say, hey, hold on a second, I've got to write something down, make a note of it, go back to it later, because that's, that's so true. I mean, it's an easy way to do that. Uh, I, I understand it's quite impractical to carry to carry a notebook around with you all day. In fact, I had this very conversation um, with my students this morning that were saying, Adam, are you, it's exactly what you said. I was walking down the street and I wanted to, I had a question or doubt in my head that I didn't know how to say in English and I wanted to write it down, but I didn't have my notebook. And I said, okay, yeah, it's impractical to carry around your, your notebook all the time, but what's the one thing that you have with you all the time? It's your mobile phone. I mean, every mobile phone yeah. has notes. Just put it into your mobile phone notes and then check it later. And then you can transfer it into your notebook later. Yeah, in fact, my um, I'm the one of only two people in my family who has a smartphone. They're all holding on to their, their flip phones. But even on those phones, you can shoot a text message to your spouse or your sister or something yeah. and just have it there in your phone. Yeah, that's a great idea. It's funny, I... As a woman, I often have a purse with me, so I, I have to admit I haven't thought about the impracticality of carrying around an English journal if you don't have a purse. That's a really good point. Yes, it is tricky. It is tricky. But, you know, in this day and age, the vast majority of people carry their mobile phone around with them all the time. So just put, you know, take the notes in there and then transfer it and practice it later or look it up on the Internet later, you know? Yeah, exactly. It's a great idea. It's really good. Um, I want, I want to recommend uh, your, the ebook that you have on your website, 50 Shades of Get. Can you give us a brief um, overview of that? Oh, yeah. Thanks for bringing it up. Um, so one of these words that even advanced learners, I mean, we learn the word get in beginning English. You know, this is one of the first words you get exposed to. But it's something that's so complicated and has so many meanings, so many uses in idioms and phrasal verbs that even very advanced students have a hard time with this word. Yeah, I mean, I don't um, think we, even as native speakers, realize how much we say. I mean, you just said it's one of the first words we get exposed to. It's so frequent, <laughs> <Yeah>. isn't it? <laughs> no, that's true. I didn't even realize I used it. It's one of those sort of invisible words. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah carry on. Um, so I had a lot of students asking me specific questions about get in a certain sentence or or, you know, what does get mean? And, and I was getting enough of these questions, getting, getting enough yes. of these questions, but I thought, okay, I need to make a resource for these students. So I was going to start it off as a blog post. And the more I went into it, brainstorming all these different uses of get, I mean, and this was me for, um, for three or four days, just brainstorming, you know, all these ways that we use get, I thought this is more than a blog post. No one can yeah. read this. So I decided to make the ebook and the ebook you know it's 50 pages it does not cover every use of get but what I did was I made 
I've talked about 10 general uses of get. So things like becoming, you know, hey, get dressed, which is, you know, the way we would describe becoming clothed. You know, we never say that, like get dressed. Um, receiving, you know, I, um, I got a new car. I received or I bought a new car. You know, so the book goes through 10 general meanings with example sentences. It goes through 10 phrasal verbs using get. So like get up, meaning to rise from your bed in the morning. Um, get across an idea, I think, is in there to, to teach something so that people understand it. Um, and then I have 30 idioms using get. So, for instance, get the picture would be to understand something that someone is telling you, um, to get your ducks in a rows, to sort of have your affairs in order and, and you know. Get to um, the point. So <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, so there are 10 general meanings, 10 phrasal verbs, 30 idioms, and then, and I offer the ebook for free to anyone who signs up for my email family. Um, you'll get that immediately as soon as you're subscribed. And then if you want to practice it, there's a blog post on my blog, and I can give you the link, but it there's a 50-question exam on the word get, testing all of those things. Fantastic. Um, yeah, so just if you want that extra practice. No, definitely download this, guys. It's very, it's very, very useful. I mean, no matter how advanced you are as an English learner, I'm sure there are some uses of get that still trip you up or that you still make mistakes with or you still don't have a complete picture of get i think a typical mistake that english learners make is that they'll put get in the dictionary and then just read the first few and then get frustrated and then give up <laughs> and they say oh that's it i don't understand it's a crazy verb you know um but it's it's the fantastic thing about the resource is that you've got all of them in one comprehensive, you know, with really good explanations and practice sentences, examples, and the idioms, the phrasal verbs. So it's all there, but not as not as confusing as, say, in a dictionary. It's very well laid out, and it's a fantastic resource, and it's what people need. So everybody get your hands on that. It's really, really good. <laughs> get your hands on it. Well get your done. hands on it, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks very much. Well, you see, in the last three minutes, we've used get between us, I don't know, maybe 10 times without realizing. So it's, it's so super important and people really have to get a good understanding of it. So. And, the, and the title <laughs> yeah, is fantastic. The title of the ebook is just great. I love it. 50 Shades of Get. Well, thank you so much for checking it out. I appreciate that. That's great. Um, okay, so what would you say? We're coming to the lightning round. Are you ready? Yes, absolutely. Okay, pressure's on. What would you say the biggest reasons English learners fail to make progress? So there are a lot, um, but one of them for me that I don't always hear other teachers talk about, although, you know, plenty of them do, is keeping joy in the process. So, you know, we always see this. It's like a cliche that in January, everyone's made their New Year's resolutions and they're going to the gym every day. The gyms are packed. And then by February, the gyms are empty again, and it's only the people who actually enjoy working out who are staying there. Um, so you, you can make this resolution to yourself that I'm going to do grammar drills every single day. I'm going to, you know, do this and do that. But if it's not something that you enjoy, eventually you are going to fall off the wagon. You're not going to be able to keep it as a habit. So find that aspect of 
improving your English that you really enjoy, whether it's doing crosswords or watching TV in English or listening to English music, find some way to make it a joyful, fun, interesting experience for yourself, and you will naturally want to make it part of your daily routine. Um, okay, so name three things every English learner should do every day to improve their English. All right. So one of them is open your English journal. Uh, ideally, you'll be recording new words every day, but even if you're not, I always recommend going back through the previous pages in your English journal, looking over them. I like to keep a box of colored pencils with my Spanish journal. And as I go through previous pages, I'll say, okay, well, I've got 20 words on this page. I can't possibly you know, remember all of them really, really well. So I'll go through with my colored pencils and I'll choose three or four that really tickle me, that yes. like we about, that feel like me. And I'll say, okay, this word, and I'll kind of color around it or outline it in a new color and, you know, think of some example sentences. But just every day, open your English journal. Um, every day, talk to yourself in English. I mean, it's wonderful if you have um, a native speaker you can talk to, or just as useful, in my opinion, someone else who's at your level, who's learning English that you can practice with. That's wonderful. Um, but if you don't have that, talk to yourself. I am the queen of doing this in the car. I'll listen to the radio for a second. They'll be talking about some political issue. I'll switch off the radio and I'll start ranting about it in Spanish. <laughs> and I'll imagine debating someone who has another point of view. And I'll just, you know, Im imagine an entire conversation and I'll have that conversation in Spanish. And that's something you can do in the shower while you're driving, while you're having lunch. Um, just anytime you're alone, you can do that and I you should do it. It's really good. Even if you're in front of people, you can do this. I found a way to do this because this is that, that very tip you've given me is the the best thing that I did to improve my Spanish, particularly with fluency and feeling comfortable speaking in Spanish, speaking to myself out loud. It was absolutely fantastic. Um, and there was a way that you can do it, you know, when you're on the subway or you're walking through the park or something, all you have to do is hold your mobile phone against your face and everybody will think you're speaking on the phone. I can't believe that has never occurred to me. What a brilliant idea. It's really I'm good. I'm actually going to employ that Probably today. It's I great. love that. Nobody would know any better. So it's um, so you, it's one of those exercises that you can do absolutely everywhere. And when I suggest this, because there are many people that suggest this, I'm really glad you brought that up. The first thing people say when I suggest this is, yeah, but what if I make a mistake? I say, don't worry about it. I mean, if you make a mistake, that's a grammar problem. It, we're here we're practicing speaking. We're practicing fluency. If you make a mistake with something else, pronunciation, that's a pronunciation problem. Okay, practice pronunciation another time. Make a mistake with grammar, that's a grammar problem. Go practice grammar. But here we're just practicing the physicality of speaking. So it's, uh, it's a fantastic exercise. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm not sure if Britain is the same as the United States, but here it's not very common for a native English speaker from the United States to have much proficiency in a second language. It's the same in English. So, yeah. So it's honestly, if you're making a mistake, guess what? That means that you speak a second language, which is going to you know, impress a fair number of people. So I always tell my students not to worry about it. You know, identify your mistakes, try to fix them, but... But don't get hung up. Don't make. Don't become shy, or don't get shy um, yeah, yeah. because of it. Um, and the last thing I would say to do every day, and this is something I do in Spanish, is to have an anthem. 
for yourself in English. So what I mean by that is obviously it's wonderful to listen to music in English. And what I like to do is have one song that feels like me, my anthem for any period of time. It doesn't have to be forever. You know, you don't have to put pressure on yourself to find the song that defines you. But maybe for a month you have this one song and it really goes with your mood or the things that you're thinking or struggling with in your life and play it every morning in English, sing along to it, learn every word, learn all the connotations of all the words in that song and be able to sing it as if you'd been listening to that song since you were five years old. And that'll get your brain thinking in English. It's a fun way to kind of dedicate your day to English. And it's something that I've found has really helped me feel motivated, have fun, and also just, yeah, kind of get my brain in Spanish mode in Spanish. It's fantastic. It really gets that motivation going because, I mean, who doesn't love singing out loud in the car? I mean, I'm a god-awful singer, but I love it. When I'm on my own in the car, I absolutely love it, just belting it out. And it just feels really, really good. You get a rush of adrenaline and everything. You feel fantastic. Really good. It keeps you motivated. Fantastic. Thanks so much for that. Um, What's the best advice you've ever received that you think could help English learners? Well, I... um Obviously, there's a lot, but I think the one thing is a lot of people tend to think that, okay, I'm going to class and this is where I learn English or for me, Spanish um, or whatever. And then, you know, you do your homework and then you wait to your next class. Class is a great place where you can get really condensed learning. You know, it's um, you learn a lot of things in a really short time, but that's, you know, a small portion of your week. Think of the world as your classroom. If you are doing anything in English, there are opportunities there to expand your English, to perfect your English. So think of the entire world as your English classroom and always have that part of your brain alert and ready to learn something and and curious. Really good. Fantastic. Um, So give us a... Our listeners are going to go straight from this podcast straight to your website, nextstepenglish.com. What do you recommend they do when they first get there? Well, first of all, sign up for my email lessons Uh, (laughs) before you forget. They're completely free. I don't spam you. Uh, I I typically just send out one email a week on Tuesdays uh, with a little story about my week with some photos of, of stuff going on in my life with advanced focus vocabulary in there with the definitions and things. Um, I, I send a verb card that has one focus verb for the week. It's usually an irregular verb, uh, with example sentences conjugated in all 12 verb tenses. Um, I offer three idioms with that same focus verb and then a quiz on our Twitter words of the day. So if you want to reinforce the words that we've learned on social media in the week, you can do it with my email lessons. But once you've done that, um, I, I recommend, uh, I have the most material on my site on vocabulary. So, cause that's really my passion. Uh-huh. Um, so I recommend just going through and, and, you know, finding posts that interest you. I've got posts on phrasal verbs, idioms, synonyms for various words. One of my favorites that I've written has been uh, 18 synonyms for evil. So 18 words you can use to describe your enemies. Um, very useful, very useful. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I, I've written it after rewatching Game of Thrones with my husband. Um, so, you know, there's all kinds of evil in that show. But um, 
but yeah, I mean, it, it really depends on your interests there. Um, I have some guest posts from other English teachers as well. Alberto Alonso uh, over there in Madrid with you wrote a post about how English is like getting in shape and gives a lot of really useful and motivational advice for English learners there. Um, we've got culture posts. So I recently wrote something about Pig Latin, which I don't... Do you guys speak Pig Latin in Britain? I don't think so. Maybe. <laughs> It's a children's game where they change the pronunciation of the words to make it difficult for adults to eavesdrop on them. And it's a big part of American culture. So this is something that's not useful. But if you want to get something that, that almost no English learners learn about in the classroom that only native speakers are really aware of, you know, we, I've got some fun culture posts like that there, too. But it it just depends on your interest. But I have the most to offer in terms of vocabulary. So it might be a good no, it's a great resource. It's really, really good. Um, could you recommend a book that you read recently? Um, so, uh, like, just any book or, um, like, just an English? That, just a book that you read recently that you enjoyed and you'd like to recommend, maybe. All right, yeah. So, actually, I um, I just picked up a book, but I'm enjoying it a lot. It's called The Autobiography of Rosa Bonheur. Uh, she was a painter in the 19th century in France, and which sounds kind of dry. Okay, you know, I'm not in school anymore. Why am I reading some biography of some old dead artist? It's not but very she... Game of Thrones, I must say. <laughs> no, it's not very Game of Thrones, but <laughs> she's fascinating. And the fact that it's true makes it really interesting. Like in, I didn't know this, but in 19th century France, it was illegal for women to wear trousers because there was um, a mention of this in the book of Deuteronomy in the Bible, uh, forbidding women from wearing men's clothing. Um, and so it was illegal. And only about 10 women over the span of a decade in the mid 19th century got permits from the French government to wear trousers. And usually it was because they were bearded women um, and wearing dresses made them look like they were cross-dressing. Uh, but she was such a good artist. Um, that the French government gave her permission because she was an animal painter. And she, can you imagine going into a slaughterhouse or a horse fair in a hoop skirt? You'd get filthy and disgusting. And, and it was important to her to study the anatomy of the animals she was painting. And, um, and so they would, you know, they gave her this permit to wear trousers, but th that's like the beginning of it. You know, she loved just flouting these norms of femininity in the 19th century. She cut her hair short. She smoked cigarettes in public. She rode her horse astride instead of side saddle. And she lived openly with women. Um, it's not 100% certain that she was gay, but they are almost certain she was. But she openly declared that she would never marry. Um, and she lived with a lion and, you know, she had a couple stallions that Buffalo Bill gave her. So it's, um, it's the autobiography of Rosa Bonner. It is quite the read. It's really, really a fun read. That sounds very interesting. Very interesting life. Yeah. Okay. Well, Jennifer, we've come to the end of the show. All right. Well, oh, no. it was great. Would you, you please give our listeners a parting piece of guidance or motivational message to help them in their English learning journey? Yeah, so I was actually on Pinterest this morning and I found a quote just this morning that I really liked. Um, it says, never give up on a dream just because of the time it will take to accomplish it. The time will pass anyway. And I thought that that would apply beautifully to English. That's really good. Thanks so much. 
Well, Jennifer, it's been an absolute pleasure. It's been really fun and great to speak to you and hear your fantastic advice on, on learning vocabulary and advanced vocabulary particularly. Everybody get to nextstepenglish.com, uh, download 50 Shades of Get, get on the newsletter and just have fun reading all the posts and articles about advanced vocabulary. Jennifer, it's been a pleasure. We'll speak to you soon. Yeah, for me as well. Thanks, Adam. Take care. Take care. See you soon. Bye. Bye.